Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome, everyone, to a beautiful Saturday outside here in the Midwest. I'm just joking. It's really not beautiful. It's really kind of gloomy and dark and dank and everything else. But welcome to the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby here. We got Julie Giljum here. And also Greg Damon hanging out with us here today on the Home Improvement Show on KMOX. Scott, how are you? Good morning, Greg. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Ooh, maybe, maybe <laughs> not. Yes, if <laughs> if if I'm you like, great. you know, like I don't know, seal hunting or something. I guess I don't know. Yeah, well, I have my mucklucks on, held my heavy furs, and my harpoon out. You know, hunting for uh, really most of the things that would eat me. You know, but uh, anyway, it's a little too cold in St. Louis. It is. Uh, it is a little too cold and a little uh, little damp. Outside, I will say, with uh, the snow, although it looks like it is starting to taper off. So pretty happy about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, all things will improve. If you don't like the weather in St. Louis, just wait an hour or two. It'll change. Absolutely, absolutely. I just wonder what happens tonight when it starts freezing. That's just my, oh, you know. oh. But we'll Let get into that on the auto show. The ice melt. Oh, yeah, we'll <laughs> get all kinds of things going. So uh, all things to talk about. We've got seminars, windows and doors, bathrooms, ice melt, snow, uh, cold temperatures, uh, humidity inside the house, moisture on the wind. All we can talk about all of this on the Home Improvement Show. Glad to have you there, and and nice to have Jude, Julie Gilgem with us, who's going to tell us a little bit about you know and answer some questions along the lines of bathrooms and kitchens. Well, that is the number one thing for your to improve your home. Am I correct? Yes, yes. Uh, you know, but you know, there there are all kinds of kitchens. There's you know what we call in the industry just a pull and replace, which means changing out the cabinets, the tops, the floors, appliances, and then there's a real kitchen remodel that gets down into the infrastructure of electrical, plumbing, you know, plumbing stacks, uh, you know, insulation, moving walls, all of that as well. So Julie can tell us a little bit about the differences. Julie, good morning. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for having me here today. Well, wonderful. Thanks for taking your wonderful day off. I mean, all the things you could be doing in a snowy Saturday, uh, and you choose to be with our listeners here on X. I did. I decided to venture out and come on down to the station today. <laughs> Are you wearing your warm shoes? Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my. Well, we can talk about so many other things uh, along the lines, and uh, will you stick with, us, stick with us for a while? You got it. I'm here. All right. right on. I'll tell you what, let's uh, let's take a timeout real quick. We'll come back, and uh, we'll get some listeners to join us as well. How about that? Right on. All right, fantastic. Folks, this is the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service here on KMOX. You want to join us? We would love to have you. All you have to do is dial 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Those are the phone numbers you want to get on. Two hours today of the Home Improvement Show. All, time, all sorts of time to take your phone calls. We'll be back after these. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. 11.15 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America in the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show. As I said, Saturday at your service. You want to join us? Here's the phone numbers, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, Julie Gilgem. 
in from Mosby Building Arts, answering all your questions as well. 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120. And uh, Scott, before we went to the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, kitchens and bathrooms and uh, and really, uh, you know, making sure that uh, you do some improvements to your house, not only for resale value, but in, in my in my experience at, you know, at Casa Damon, I want it for my creature comfort as well. Absolutely. It's all about convenience, ease of use, uh, maintenance as well, you know, and, and really spend the money once. So, uh, you know, doing a shortcut, just like car repairs, uh, medical care, health care, or, you know, taking care of the homes that we live in. If you shortcut the process, sometimes you wind up having to spend that money again to go back and do it right. And, uh, you know, that's uh, one of the things that you can talk about in bathrooms or kitchens or large-scale, you know, improvements as well. And, you know, Julie can tell us a little bit about, you know, an abbreviated system as well where you're, you know, really not doing whole house or deep bone remodeling where, you know, we at Mosby and our design build, we get in so deep because, you know, we're going to address the electrical, the plumbing system, structures, pipes, heating and cooling, location, you know, all that stuff. Well, not everybody really wants to mess with that level of care. So uh, sometimes you just need, uh, you know, a new pair of shoes. So you buy the shoes and sometimes you just need some new appliances. So you price appliances. And anyway, sometimes you need, you know, cabinets and tops. And, you know, Julia, is there something you can tell us about uh, the, what, what you call the right kitchen and, and how that works? And, you know, what, what's the difference between that and, you know, full-scale remodeling? Where do you want to put everything? Where where should the fridge go? Where should this go? Well, there's a lot of kitchens where the functionality of, of the space works just fine for you, and it's just time to update a data kitchen. So really what we call a pull and replace um, is easy enough to do for the most part, I guess you could say. But there's so many things that can be overwhelming when we're remodeling, like all the selections, what tile, what countertop, what color cabinets. Um, what appliances work. So with Right Kitchen, we came up with a plan to have those pre-selected items for you so you don't have to stress about what will work and what doesn't and what looks great. So you can really customize your own space with having that ease of selections to choose from. So that was really the biggest um, way that we came up with Right Kitchen. Similar to our Right Bath Division, um, where it's kind of the same thing, pull and replace, we just kind of modified it to accommodate a kitchen remodel. Since you, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of homes that the functionality is great for the space and it works well for the homeowner. So let's not stress about what can be done and really get to it. Well, nice, nice. It, is it a, a faster, easier process than you know full blown you know deep uh, <laughs> surgery? Yes. We do have it planned that way. I mean, really, without having to worry about moving the um, stove or the oven, the fridge, you don't really have to worry about relocating plumbing lines or electrical. So you don't have to get as in-depth into the walls that you really have to. So kind of everything going back into the same location. So we're looking at production-wise, you know, maybe four to six weeks to be without a kitchen versus, you know, three, four, six months without a kitchen remodel. Wow. Wow. Uh, how many choices are there in cabinets and tops and faucets? I mean, it sounds like you've got an abbreviated selection, but are, are there enough choices? There is. We have probably um, kind of how we narrowed it down to accommodate kind of the three different main styles, traditional, 
contemporary, more that transitional, the mix in between the both. We have about three styles for each of those categories. So a total of, you know, about nine different things to choose from. So in a world where it's endless, I mean, you can go for weeks with going to the different showrooms, going to the different stores to find something. We do have it more narrowed down to be able to accommodate the style and the look you want. Nice, nice. But in the Mosby uh, design build process, you can do anything as well. So it can get as complex and comprehensive as you like, I think. Yes, you can. Most of the time with that design build process, um, especially at least at Mosby, from what I understand, is, I mean, that can take two, three, four weeks to really get down the look and style you want, where with Right Kitchen, not a lot of homeowners either have the time or the desire to really get into that in depth on what they want. They have an idea of what they want. They know what they want. And we can accommodate with that within maybe, you know, a day or two of doing selections. Wow. Wow. Sounds pretty quick. Mm-hmm. That's that's the plan. <laughs> well, will you stick around and answer some kitchen questions for our callers as we get in through the hour? I would absolutely love to. Great. Hey, Greg, um, as it relates to uh, car repair, uh, you get involved in, in situations where sometimes we're just trying to keep the car running for a while, and then sometimes it's just, uh, well, we need it to run for a long time, like make this car run for the next three or four years. Uh, is it different how you go about uh, preparing or strategizing what gets refurbished on an automobile? Well, absolutely, and it's much like in the in the you know the home improvement. I mean, First of all, you have to figure out what the functionality is. You know, what it, what is the customer's, um, you know, reasoning for this? As you said, is it is it a is it just a short term patch? Is it something for the long haul? Is it for creature comforts? Is it to resale? You know, what what are you looking for? Um, and and then you go about your your plan as as to what needs to be repaired. If it's a, you know a safety issue, or if it's something for creature comforts, that's you know you have to really talk to your customer about what they want. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds uh, similar. I would say for healthcare, you know, doc, just you know, give me some pills and I'll be done here and better in a few days. Or, oh boy, you really want me to change my diet? You want me to exercise? Uh, oh, oh, you really want to change health, or you just want to, you know, give me a quick one? So, sounds like you're uh, talking to my doctor. Is, is, well, you know, I'm in meaning to talk to you about that. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, we, we talked. I was going to say, I did want to ask Julie about that because when she was talking about, you know, refurbishing a, a kitchen or, or a bathroom, I mean, it only takes a half hour. I've seen those shows on TV. Right, right. Right? They just come in and it's just, you know, in a half hour, it's all a done deal. Oh, right. yeah, and the sponsors pay for most of the stuff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, those shows can be a blessing and a curse at the same time to our industry. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It, it works the same thing in the, uh, in the uh, automotive side as well. I'm so. sure. I'm sure. So it, it's yeah. nice to have an informed customer, but on the other hand, sometimes they feel they know more than what you do. So. Right. Uh, unrealistic yeah. goals of what can or can't be done within that time frame. I mm-hmm. think that's a that's a perfect a perfect way to put it right there. Hey, you know, that's a it's an interesting thing. There is a growing legal field in the United States that has followed up these reality home improvement shows. And there are attorneys that specialize in um, basically um suing the the quick repaired or improved house for tv you know or a home built in a week or two you know think about it i mean do you really want that and it's leaving some homes uh really quite deficient in long-term value 
And, you know, so there are homeowners who find themselves with tile cracking up, concrete driveways cracking, foundations moving on them, structures that just weren't quite put. Even though all of this was done, I mean, uh, it, it may not be lasting. So there, there is a growing legal field for attorneys that follow up these fast things. About a year later, they start falling apart. And um, it's kind of interesting. I I never thought of it that way. But, you know, if you you do a full-scale home improvement in a week, there are consequences. Yeah, that's a great great point, Scott, because that's one thing I've always wondered is, you know, know, being a mechanical mechanic guy or a mechanical person, you know, I kind of know what, how things go and how, how things should be put together. And I always wondered about that. You know, what happens to this home in five years, 10 years, and, and all of a sudden it's starting to have problems. So, you never, yeah. you know, you never see an art architect there. You never see, uh, you know, engineers or anything else. It's like, well, let's knock this wall out. And then they put a sledgehammer through it. Yeah. Well, I had a neighbor years ago. Uh, this goes back probably 35 years called me and he knew I was in the home improvement business and he had just moved in and he called me and he wanted me to help him remove the column down in the basement. He had a pool table delivered and he was a pretty sharp guy, you know, but it, it was just out of his realm. He was going to cut the center structural column out of his house so that the pool table would fit down in the basement. And it never occurred to him that there would be some serious consequences. I mean, you want to see a, a, a guy run. Uh, I said, uh, you know, Doug, I'll be I'll be right over. Don't do anything until I get there. I got there, and he'd already saw him halfway through with a sawzall. Oh. oh my gosh! Through the center steel beam, and you know, I spent the next hour and a half explaining to him that he needed a welder there really soon. You know that his he had accomplished what he was after. He had failed that column, but he he still. It, we went on for a year and a half of why he couldn't take that column out. And I said, well, you can, but we need to put in some serious steel over the top, which you probably wouldn't want to pay for. Right, exactly. So so just the awareness or unawareness of what it takes, I, I sometimes I'm surprised even in my shoes that uh, – but, you know, then there's Camel X. We have some of the smartest listeners in the world, and, you know, I get some questions that are actually the answers. So we have some very, very smart listeners here in Camel X Land. Maybe, well, maybe some will call. Well, I was going to say, actually, we got some calls here now, Scott. Let's go straight to the phones. How about uh, let's start off and talk to Mary. Mary, guess what? You got the pole position today here on the Home Improvement Show. Mary, you there? Hello? Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I hung up. Um, I have a question about mold inside of a house. Yes. Um, in the, the house is a brick house with plaster walls. It was built in the early 60s. The basement floor has radiant heat in the concrete floor. So in the basement, it's, it's, it's a little damp, but we've had work through the years to fix drainage uh, away from the home and seal up uh, the walls. Uh, but there's mold that has darkened the stairwell from the kitchen down to the basement. It's been there for years. Now I'm seeing that I see mold on the wooden door frame and about on the top fifth or so of the wooden door. Uh, this house has an um, 89-year-old in it, so I don't think I want to spend the money for a forever fix, but I do want to clean the mold off 
repaint if necessary. Is this anything at all that an amateur could tackle? Uh, yeah, but Mary, uh, the issue that I look at, uh, the mold is the symptom. The problem is there is moisture. Uh, and where does the moisture come from? And if you've got the time, this will be a little bit of a lengthy discussion or answer, if you will. Um, radiant heat is fabulous. However, it is not a forced air thing that moves the air around. So if you have humidity, which is typical in basements, it just, uh, you know, it's a place where moisture hangs out more than upstairs, but no, no circulation of that air, you may have an acceptable level of moisture, relative humidity, say 30%, 40%, but if it just sits next to that wall, and that wall perhaps gets a little cold, Without the ventilation, Mary, mold will grow. It needs warmth, dark, and a food source. And the food source could be certainly on the door. It's wood or the paint in it. Um, so the point in, in your basement is it may not be that wrong. And you still may have a, a mold problem because you have stagnant air. So, uh, you know, imagine sitting in a car, you're running around in a, a heavy rainstorm, you jump in with all your rain gear on and you sit and you just leave the windows up and you don't start the car. Well, the windows will fog up and that's an indication of high humidity. Well, the same thing happens in an unventilated or uncirculated basement. Uh, and it's very common in radiant heat because uh, there has to be a... Um, um, air movement and air conditioning or drying of the air dehumidifier if you will so i would put dehumidifiers in that basement the first thing i would want to know i'm going to get right down to your real question which is what do i do first off i would measure that humidity down there make sure that you have 50 percent or 55 percent or less relative humidity and you can do that with one of those digital thermometers that you get at a hardware store or home center and and just measure the percentage relative humidity if it's above 55 percent that's bad uh bugs start thriving mold starts growing things start rotting at above 55 percent well you may be at 50 or 55%, but with no movement in the air, just like sitting with your rain gear on inside a car, um, there's no place for that moisture to go, and it just sits against the wall and starts growing things. So uh, circulate the air, dry it out with a dehumidifier, but until you drop that relative humidity, all that cleaning up will do nothing because it'll just keep growing. So as fast as you clean it up, it'll just keep growing. So the problem is... The moisture and lack of circulation, the indicator or symptom is the mold. And for an 89-year-old resident, uh, a moldy situation, in my mind, is a respiratory compromising health problem. So it's a big deal and important to address. And, and yet they're the great generation that, no, I don't want to spend the money. I don't need it. You know, it's not important. Well, yeah, it is when your health is at, at risk. So measure the moisture. See what you've got run a couple of dehumidifiers in there. When you drop that humidity down below about 50%, then it's time to start cleaning up that mold. Uh, and I don't think you, you have serious mold, but if you've got 70% relative humidity, now it's time to start talking to a professional because those conditions can uh, get out of hand and then, you know, true mold remediation. And the only way to know good mold from bad mold really is to have it 
tested by a lab. I'm, you know, I can look at it and it doesn't matter what I think. I don't, you know, I don't chemically or biologically know what it is. So uh, do you have any more questions, Mary? This is an important topic. Well, thank you. I appreciate this very much. Uh, If we can get that humidity below 50%, then, I mean, I'm reading that you do not use bleach. That's the wrong thing to use. Uh, And I I just don't know what to use, like to clean the door frame and the door, uh, to start there anyway. Well, unless you test it, there's no real way to know what to clean up and how to clean it up. But keep in mind, when you're cleaning your shower, and if that's, if that's all this is, if you leave your shower uncleaned for a month and it stays wet and dark, you will have mold and mildew start growing in the shower. So if you've got that kind of thing, then you're in typical homeowner cleanup stuff. But if you've got thriving mold, if you've got anything, any uh, positive, something fuzzy or any physical buildup of mold, um, if you've got fuzz, you need pros, period. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's great advice right there. Scott, we got to do a little business here real quick, but we'll be back on the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show on a Saturday at your service here on KMOX. Stick around. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. 1137 is your time right here in the heart of Mid-America. We're taking your phone calls. You want the number? Here it is, 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120. Those are the phone numbers. Scott, what do you say we go right back to the phones? Well, it sounds good, but I, I want to follow up just a little bit for sure. Mary with the mold before we get into it. Uh, uh, keep in mind in cleaning up mold, uh, peroxide, very high percentage of peroxide. If you look at uh, um, alcohol, uh, rubbing alcohol, there are two percentages. The higher one is more medically based for cleaning up or disinfecting. Peroxide is the same way, uh, but that's one way to do it. If, but however, uh, mold is all over everybody all the time and every service. So, you know, it's it just part of life. Uh, various people react to problems with mold. So I could be in a heavily moldy house and be just fine. And another human could be right next to me and wind up in the hospital, you know, in 10 minutes. So there is no acceptable safe level of mold because every human reacts differently to it. And once you reach that point, you know, it goes very quickly from, you know, a dirty house to a medical problem. So anyway, Mary, make sure that uh, you are welcome to call our office we can make a referral of a company that you can turn to to get some information on, you know, uh, the mold. They can come and take a look at it, and let you know if there's something that they could help with or whether you're into, you know, serious stuff. But uh, anyway, you can call uh, 314-909-1800 at Mosby Building Arts. We're comfortable making that reference and, and uh, want to help you anyway. Uh, Greg, let's go to the phones now. I'm ready anytime you are. All right. Let's talk to Bob. Bob, you're up next here on the Home Improvement Show. Hey, Good morning, Scott. Enjoy your program. Thank you. Say, uh, my daughter wants to finish off uh, her basement, poured concrete basement. She had a leakage problem, had a company come in, uh, bust up the perimeter last year, buried the drain tiles. So that's done. It's dry now. She'd like to finish off the basement with two-by-four studding around the perimeter walls. So my questions are several. Uh, What type of insulation? Do we use a vapor barrier? Uh, the, the 
foam board insulation or the bat, faced or unfaced, and a plastic paper bear? Do we paint the walls? Give me some direction, please. All right. Well, Bob, uh, thank you for asking number one. And um, it's easy to do it right, and it's easy to do it wrong. If you've already had the uh, waterproofing done to the basement, uh, I still would test it. And the way to test that is uh, because a wet basement and a moist basement are two different things. I would still tape on the concrete foundation wall or concrete block, whatever it's made of, uh, a Ziploc clear plastic bag, all four sides with either masking tape or duct tape so that uh, any moisture that might come through that concrete would show up. And in the wintertime, this is a great time to do it because if any water droplets show up in the next three days, you have a moisture migration issue coming through the concrete wall. That's different than fixing with drain tile a waterproof leaking basement thing. So that's a little bit separate. Also do the same thing on the concrete floor, Bob, so that you know what you're dealing with. Uh, after that, um, then uh, then uh, I would probably go ahead and put a Zypex or a dry lock uh, waterproofing paint. Uh, and it, what it does is it's a crystalline reactant with the concrete. It can't if your foundation wall is already painted. It does you can't use this stuff. Then it just is paint. Uh, but if it's on raw concrete, it will chemically react a little different and form a little bit of a vapor retarder. So it slows down the perspiration of that concrete wall. So let, that's number one. Uh, number two, uh, wood studs. Uh, you would think that metal studs are better in a moist environment. They are not. Wood two-by-fours and plates inhale moisture and exhale moisture so they have a larger range of acceptability because uh, just like you and I they'll take up moisture and they'll perspire away moisture so metal studs has a zero tolerance it, it if you get moisture it turns right into water because there's nothing to absorb it sounds kind of weird but uh, that's why we don't use metal studs we prefer wood studs in basement environments. Um, as far as insulation, I would, once you get down below grade, um, the ideal thing, and I can get really deep here on you, which I'll avoid, uh, but I would use a, a hard foam insulation glued to the exterior wall right over that painted surface. So once you do the Zypex, X-Y-P-E-X, or Drylock, D-R-Y-L-O-C-K, uh, two different brands there. Uh, those two products go on. I would then wait three, four days for the paint to cure and then glue a rigid foam one or two inches to that wall. And I'm giving you the gold standard here um, because typically you can your next choice for a fiberglass is actually an unfaced fiberglass. And once you get below grade, there is no vapor barrier. So in terms of plastic, um, pl plastic vapor barrier moisture, never, ever, period. Don't ever use pl plastic in the basement. Don't ever use plastic upstairs. That was a bad practice um, in our area that is never acceptable. It's not permeable enough. Um, the old craft-faced fiberglass insulation is acceptable because it, that, that 
paper bag, if you will, that craft paper allows the moisture to move back and forth. But underground, below grade in a basement situation, Bob, don't bother. Use unfaced fiberglass for the second choice of insulation. You can also use a rock wool. And think of this, all of these. The foam is inert. It really won't react with moisture. The fiberglass pretty much is artificial. It's glass. It doesn't react with moisture. Rock wool. Uh, under a brand now, they brought it back, R-O-X-U-L, rock sole. It's limestone, spun limestone. So it's kind of like fiberglass. So all of those are acceptable in a dry basement once you coat it. Uh, but never, never, never any kind of uh, vapor barrier of plastic. And if you really have to, acceptable is craft face if you may make me do it. Uh, because when you, you put your tr- traditional drywall on, uh, so standard, you don't need to use moisture-resistant um, drywall below grade unless you want to. Um, and really, then you're putting on your latex paint. Your latex paint slows down the moisture migration. What you want is you want the moisture that comes out of the air in St. Louis, relative humidity 80%. You know, there's moisture in the air. So you want that wall to have the ability to take up that moisture and exhale it and lose it as well. And that plastic vapor barrier is the kiss of death, the maker of mold and the killer of residents. So never plastic vapor barriers, uh, even above grade. How's that for a a long answer to a short question? That was a great answer. The problem is you cut out just a little bit. And when you start talking about the unfaced, the uh, foam board, and did you say put that down to the frost line or below the frost line? Well, now you're getting into Chapter 2. I personally will run it all the way down below the frost line, and that's counter to uh, the building science because ideally you want the frost line on the top half, um, and then you want the thermal swing or that mass of um, deeper soil the 55. But basically when you get into it, if you're going to heat and cool that unit, Uh, control it yourself. So that's where I would run the insulation all the way down to the floor, whether it's fibrous or rigid, Bob. But uh, good studying. Kudos to you. You know, that's a deep question you're asking. But just in typical practice, um, I would just insulate it, either insulated or don't. But, you know, that top half of the wall being insulated and the lower part being, you know, the benefit of don't bother. Just either do or do not, but don't get stuck in the middle for just common practices. That's my belief, advice, and practice. All right, Bob, great question. Appreciate that. Folks, you're listening to the Helotech Foundation Home Improvement Show here on a Saturday at your service on KMOX. we got to do a little bit of business, but we'll be right back. You want to join us, we'd love to have you. Here's the phone numbers, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Jillian, George, hang on. You guys are coming up next after the break. We'll be back after these. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Heading into the stretch run here, hour number one on the Helitech Foundation Home Improvement Show, Saturday at your service here on KMOX. We're still taking your questions, but I'll tell you what, folks, if you're on hold and we have to go to news, we'll get your questions when we come back. I do promise that. Scott, you with me on that? Yes, sir. Let's get on to it. All right, let's go and let's talk to Jillian. Jillian, you're up next on the Home Improvement Show. Hi, Scott. How are you? Fantastic. Jillian, how are you this cold Saturday? (laughs) What a wake-up call that was. 
I opened, the, I opened my my back porch door to let the cat out, and I went, "Oh, this is not going to happen." <laughs> yeah, what happened to seventy-seven degrees a few days ago? Who was watching the yeah. store there? Scott, I've talked to you before, but I'm going to really jump into my projects this spring and get them done. And one mm-hmm. of the things we talked about was my popcorn ceiling, and yep. I don't want it anymore. And uh, I've kind of been confused because a couple of contractors have come at it from different directions. It kind of spooked me. So this was done in probably the early 70s. It was blown up there. The person mm-hmm. who did it was also doing a, a major restaurant here in St. Louis, and I worked there. And he okay. said, yeah, I can do yours too. So um, now I'm looking at it. I bring in somebody who says, well, the only way that it could be dealt with was to be scraped off, and he assured me that it was going to cost double the amount because it was asbestos. Now, I I just sat there. I said, okay, okay. And he said, this is the only way that this can be done. And so I listened carefully, and I thanked him, and I stepped away. And the other guy came in and said, well, we can put the drywall up, he said, and it would be this amount. So, Scott, I, I really can't imagine the guy that was doing a huge restaurant was blowing up asbestos in the early 70s, but I may be stupid. Oh, no, no, no. Jillian, it's important to understand. Asbestos was the miracle fiber. It uh, it kept clothes from burning. It kept uh, ductwork from sweating. Uh, we sighted the houses. Asbestos was a great insulator. It didn't burn. I mean, it was fabulous. The problem is when you get it into your lungs, it kills people. It'll kill a cat, a dog, a human. So it, as a building material, and this gets into the building science and, you know, why I start jumping up and down so uh, vehemently, uh, but don't miss how popular asbestos was from the 1930s all the way through to the 1970s. And until we had enough medical uh, medical data to say, this stuff is bad. Uh, we continued to use it, uh, and it, it until anything before 1978 has a high probability of having asbestos in it. And somebody putting blown ceiling asbestos uh, in a house in the 70s uh, was not negligent. Uh, they thought they were doing you a favor. So there was no. Uh, I mean, this is this. <laughs> that's why we have so many building problems because. We're learning at an event at a very rapid rate, but we're not able to get it through and to and through the tradesmen and the industry fast enough. Uh, but you know, your friend that did the the blown ceiling um, did a great thing. Uh, not it was an acoustical solution. It was also a fire spread retarder uh, as well as a surface for your ceiling. So uh, no error, but definitely a foul. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, but in light of that, scraping that stuff off the ceiling, in my mind, uh, scares the bejeebas out of me. I, I wouldn't ask a human being to be in the house or to do that. Um, and we and if uh, and we have done that, uh, but we test it first. We scrape a couple of nodules off and take it in a plastic bag to the lab. We know what we're going after because you know any tradesman or any house occupant, uh, child, whatever, 
is really being uh, exposed to that. So keep that in mind. I would recommend uh, in our practice, frankly, is to laminate drywall over the ceiling. Sometimes I hear people say, we're just going to use quarter inch because that's all we need. Quarter inch is not thick enough. It doesn't stay flat on the ceiling when you nail it up. Uh, so it's do or do not. There is no try. You know, think of that Star Trek or Star Wars Yoda uh, don't get stuck in the middle of spending a lot of money and almost get it. So use half inch or five eighths drywall, nail it up on the ceiling, isolate, uh, and it's called encapsulate the asbestos. And you can leave it right there in place, hang right over it. Um, and that is, in my opinion, the better choice. But scraping asbestos off of a ceiling, frankly, is just absurd to me. So uh, that, that's my advice and reaction. And uh, I, I don't know you, but I'll beg you not to scrape that stuff off the ceiling. Great question, Jillian. Let's try to sneak in one more. How about we talk to George? Hey, George, can you make it real quick? Yep. Hey, uh, Scott, I'm repairing a um, wall that was put up by a quote-unquote professional, but it's come apart. What kind of adhesive should I use to make sure this doesn't happen in, in the future? George, what kind of a wall is this? Uh, concrete seabed block, concrete cement block, um, and what what's happening with it? The uh, you know you, they put on top you know a top decorative rock, and they've all come off, come loose. Oh, I see. Is this, is this a stucco stone and adhere stone on the face of that concrete block? That's right. Yeah, um, that has to be moisture and masonry. So if you've got moisture coming through it. Don't use any kind of a glue, no adhesive. Uh, it has to be cement and water-based. Uh, most uh, veneer stones, Culture Stone is an old brand. Now there are tons of them. Uh, it has to be uh, adhered with uh, a mortar-based sand, cement, and lime mixture, just like the bricklayers use. Uh, and there's a pocketing. Anyway, but that's the only way to do it. If you use anything else, the moisture will just break down, fail that adhesive, and you'll wind up with everything on the floor. No other choice, sand, cement, and lime, masonry only. Sounds great, Scott. I appreciate that, folks. We're just about here for the news. Don't worry, though. we got a whole other hour coming up of the Home Improvement Show here on a Saturday at your service on KMOX. Stick around. Brian Kelly up next.